Welcome to the Deck Play Tone Podcast. In this episode, we're talking about the biggest obstacles that sailors face, which are keeping up with the family, building a love life, peer pressure, the work-life balance, dealing with outdated regulations, and then the cheese mess. General quarters, general quarters, all hands man your battle stations, all hands man your battle stations. The biggest obstacles that sailors face, which are keeping up with the family, building a love life, peer pressure, the work-life balance, dealing with outdated regulations, and then the cheese mess. Before we get into this podcast, if you haven't already liked and followed me, what are you doing? Please go follow me. Also, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Catch me on all the podcast directories. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. All right, without further ado, let's go on. Now, this topic is important because it will help people to understand sailors, right? It's also important because I believe that there's a link uh, with these things in our mental health. Also, I think that this is important because it will help us to gain and retain. You're going to hear that throughout the podcast here and there. Gains and retain. When it comes to obstacles that the sailors face, a very common one is keeping up with the family. And that's because of the distance, the missed moments, the isolation, the military demand, and then also the communications. The distance. We are thousands of miles away. Our family are thousands of miles away. And then we have a radius law that we have to keep up. All right, so now let's break these things down. All right, so we are thousands of miles away sometime. In some cases, uh, we just live far apart from our families. And it is what it is. But then also our family, we live, they live thousands of miles away from us. And so there is like not a lot to go off on. But then we have the radius. We have a radius and we can only travel within, normally it's like about 400 miles. So anything outside of 400 miles, we just can't travel that. But the family, y'all can, right? There's no law that's keeping y'all from where y'all travel. As long as you get back to work, you're going to be good. So my solution a lot of times we make plans and we say, hey, I'm going to come see you, bro. I'm going to come see you, sis or cuz or whatever the case may be. And then they don't show up. And so a good solution to that sometimes would be to actually keep that promise and go travel to them. I think that would help a seller a lot. right? It, I mean, every time I've, I've seen my friends and families come for the small time that they did come, I tell you, it was, it was amazing. It was a great thing. It was a good morale booster to me. And I believe the same will be for other sailors. I have um, a sailor right now, uh, my guy Dustin, like he, he, his family comes so often. I bet that dude will go far. Like his mental health would be much better because his family actually takes the time to come. And so that's something that we need to do. We need to get better about um, fulfilling those promises and traveling to our family and our friends and things like that. When it comes to missed moments, we miss the birthdays, we miss the family reunions, we miss the anniversaries, we miss the weddings, we miss death, life, the gatherings, all sorts of things. Our solution in that case, I will say again, would be to travel. I, I think about all the birthdays that I miss. I miss um, a lot of my children's birthdays. I miss a lot of friends, families' birthdays, and it sucks. I miss a lot of family reunions. And because of our service, we always end up missing a lot of uh, those family reunions and things like that. A lot of anniversaries. Sometimes you're just on deployment and you just can't hit that wedding anniversary. Sometimes you miss wedding. I, I, I almost miss my friend's wedding, my best friend's wedding. Thank God that I went, right? And I got this flash for Cool flash right there for You know, I'm so happy that I went to it. A lot of times we miss a lot of that. Sometimes we miss our children actually grow up. 
our children grow up through social media and the internet and things like that. Um, you know, and they, they just get real big before you know it. Your kid would be like Roy's size, and then out of nowhere, next thing you know, he's your size. And that's because of um, our like uh, obstacles, being in the military and things like that. Isolation, that mental isolation. We're there, but we're not there. We feel like we're not a part of the family. We feel like we're ashamed of our absence. We're indifferent and uncomfortable. In those situations, I think that as a family member or as a friend, the best thing that you can do in that case is embrace your family member, your sailor or whoever. When I say we're there, but we're not there, like mentally, it's a mental thing. We're we're with our family um, and we could be like, Hanging out, having fun, having a good time, but then mentally we're like, man, damn, right? We feel like we're no longer a part of that family because all of the missed moments, all the moments that we miss, now we're just here. Sometimes it's like that. And then sometimes we're ashamed of our absence, right? When we're ashamed of the absence, it's really hard. When we're ashamed of our absence, it's really hard to, to, to embrace or, or be a part of the stuff because, like I said, it's a mental thing. And then we get indifferent and uncomfortable. And so the whole time we're having all this fun and then in the back of our mind we're nagging or like we're missing some family joke or some um, some joke. We're on the outside of an inside joke and we're just feeling like, damn, man, like what are these guys talking about? And you start feeling bad about it because like you haven't been there. In that case, embrace that sailor. I remember my brother-in-law, he, he says um, like a... Uh, he was like, why are you not coming around? And I just told him straight up, like, yo, man, you know what? I feel ashamed, man. I haven't been around for a long time. I've been away all the time. And he, he was like, hey, check it out. Stop it. All right? We get it. We know what you do. We know what you do. And I get it, right? You're here. We're here. We know you're in the military. We know you're away from the family. But don't ever feel like you're ashamed, right? Don't feel like you're ashamed because we love you. We love what you do and everything. Just Take the time that you can and spend that time with us. But if you feel ashamed and stuff like that, you're not going to come around. And then that's when you're going to really feel like um, you're not a part of us. And I told you um, from those words and stuff that he said, man, I told you, oh, man, I was about to cry in the car, man. But thank God that he said that. So embrace your family. Embrace your sailors. The military demand. We have duty. We have the schedule. We have the training requirements. We have desire to stand out. We got the stress of the job. So we have all those things. And when we have all those things, a lot of times we just need understanding. We just need understanding. So with duty, duty, that's like sometimes uh, for us, whether or not we're like uh, on a shore or on a ship, we got like 24 stone cold hours of work that we got to be accountable for, right? On a ship, you're on a ship all the time. If you had a command, it varies. Sometimes you can be on call or sometimes you can or sometimes you got to stay. It depends on your responsibilities and things like that. Like right now, duty means for me, I have to stay at my command the whole time. Right. On a ship, same thing. But then there's some way you just have to have a phone. Right. And so with that right there. It's it's a little hard to keep up with the family and things like that. Sometimes the schedule of your command or your ship and things like that, it would keep you from really keeping up with family. And it's really hard to explain. But uh, let's see, like um, because of the schedule, like you always out, 
You always um, have something to do. You always have to address something. You always have to get something ready or prepared. You won't be able to see the family like that, or you won't be able to meet that, meet up with your cousins and things like that because of that. You have to be here and everybody else is there. That's how it is. The training requirements. Sometimes we have like, um, you know, the GMT. Sometimes it's um, like a command training thing. Or sometimes we have like a training that we have to personally do and stuff like that. And with all of those things, it's kind of hard. Say, for instance, right, you want to go out and do X, Y, and Z, but now you got a school that you have to go to. That happens more often than not. And so uh, there's the training requirements. And then another obstacle is the desire to stand out, right? Some people, they, they want to stand out, and you got to spend a lot of extra time doing it. I remember one of my exos said, you got to run faster than everybody else. Sometimes you got to run a little faster to stand out. And sometimes that might be sacrificing a little time for the family, unfortunately, right? But you have to, if you want to stand out sometimes, you're going to miss that family time, unfortunately. That's a huge obstacle, however. And then it's the stress of the job. And it's a lot of stressors to the job, right? I mean, it is many, 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 many stresses to the job. And it's countless. And with these things right here, sometimes it keeps us from family because we feel like family doesn't understand or we feel like uh, we don't want to put that off on family and things like that. Or um, we just we, we just rather not talk about that because that's a negative place back when we talk about um, stress and, and work and all that stuff. So that kind of keep us like um, a little bit disconnected with the family and stuff like that. The solution to that, I think, would be that understanding piece. Just just understand that sometimes we go through a lot of stuff, man. And then next is the communications. We got no phone service. We got the delayed mail. Uh, we got no internet sometimes. We got no email sometimes. In that case, sometimes we, we have to get used to writing letters, sending pictures, and um, if you're a sailor, right, and you got to get familiar with being friends with admin, the LSs or uh, supply or the OSs because they are guaranteed to have phones. And I'm talking for those who are on the ships and stuff like that. Right. If you're not on a ship, then you don't really have this communication problem as much. Right. So this is really what I'm talking about. If you're in a seagoing command, you got the communications issue. So no phone service on a ship. I mean, you got a whole bunch of steel around you, and that's taking off your service. Like, if you're at shore, right? If your ship is important, stuff like that, you're not going to get those calls to go through. It is what it is, right? So that's why sometimes people say we got to go topside just to make phone calls when we're in port. It's true. Can't get that service in a ship. And then when you are out, the further you go, the further you go, you will lose your phone service, right? And so if you... In the Middle East or in Japan or something like that, and your phone service is AT&T or whatever the case may be, of course, you're not going to get that service because that carrier is in the U.S. And so a person is not going to get that phone service. When it comes to the delayed mail, there's no priority mail. There's no overnight mail or nothing like that. If somebody says they're going to send you some mail or um, if you are expecting to get mail, it's going to be a two-week wait time at a minimum. Always, always. And so um, no internet, no phone, I mean, no email. Sometimes us sailors, like when we're on a ship and stuff, there's, there's cases where the internet goes out 
or the email goes out and we we just can't engage with the family like that. And it's real hard to keep that together. And it is what it is. So I will say the best solution, and it goes both ways, the sailor and the family, write letters and things like that. Um, send pictures. I mean, it's hard for a sailor to send the pictures, but more towards the family, send those pictures and watch that sailor thrive. Watch them grow. Um, watch them get over that obstacle a little bit better. Next up, a heartbreaking obstacle. It's building a love life. And it's because people rotate, there's cheaters, and then the Navy doesn't teach love. Now, people rotate. Sailors transfer, sailors separate, sailors retire, and then sailors work at different places. Right? So you must choose wisely. That's the solution to that. You got to choose wisely. Now, sailors transfer. Not everybody has the same PRD, the rotation date, uh, projected rotation date. Not everybody has that. Right? So sometimes you fall in love with somebody or you get to talking to somebody and then you find out, all right, in a few months, they get orders and they're out. Now, what? Do you maintain that relationship long distance? Do you tie the knot? Things like that. Not everybody wants to do that right away. And so it's hard to keep that love life going. It's really hard to keep that love life going, especially when, when you really like that person. But what's the feasibility of staying together? Long distance relationships are hard. And then this person I met three months ago, they're leaving. Do we get married? I mean, not everybody make those decisions. Some people try to make it work and it doesn't really work out sometimes. Sellers separate and sellers retire. So when a seller separates or that seller retire and things like that, right? Um, the, the connection that keeps two people together, them both being in the Navy, right? That common thing, they being in the Navy. Once that's broken, right? Now that sailor is separating or retiring, right? They don't have to stay under those same Navy laws, Navy guidelines. They don't have to be at those same duty stations. They're not connected to the Navy anymore. And so if that's what connected them sometimes, they're, they're obviously going to lose that connection. And you got to fight really hard to keep that up and maintain that. When it comes to working away from each other, when you work away from each other, sometimes it can be a little bit challenging to build, right? Because it's a proximity thing. Love sometimes is a proximity thing, right? I had a friend and he was working like in a strike group with us. And then his wife was working somewhere like NCIS. And it was very uncommon for um, things like that to work, but they made it work because they really, really, really loved each other, real loved each other real hard, and it worked. But that's not always the case with some people. Some people, when it's a proximity thing, it just doesn't work out like that. It's, it's a huge challenge. Cheaters. Now, you got Jody, you got Julie, you got the men-to-women ratio, you got the distance, and you got the inconsistent romance. With that, it's always going to be really challenging for a person. So you got Jody, you got Judy, right? Or Julie, whoever you want to call her. When those people are in your life or in your relationship life or in the way of your relationship, and Jody or Julie is usually like the neighbor, somebody in your neighborhood or somebody in town somewhere, and they are always putting your relationship at jeopardy. And depending on how strong your connection is with your spouse or your partner, whoever the case is, then that determines whether or not the the, the acts of Jody or Julie or whoever is going to work. And a lot of times, because you are away and they are right there, they win that because of the proximity laws, right? And so another thing is that distance. 
If you're away thousands of miles on deployment and stuff like that, it's much harder because approximately, like I said, love is a proximity thing and it's a challenge. Um, it's really hard for a sailor to to maintain that continuity of that relationship, like whoever they're with, right? It's very hard. And especially when somebody is closer in proximity, it's very, very tough. Now, the men to women ratio, the men to women ratio in the Navy is, is, is ridiculous. It's a lot of men in the Navy, especially on a ship. It's a lot of men in the Navy. Not too much women in the Navy on a ship, right? When it comes to shore duty, it's a little bit more balanced, a little bit, but it's still the same thing. It's still kind of OD as far as the ratio, right? So if a man, or say, for instance, if you have a wife or you're a woman on a ship or whatever the case may be, you can bet, you can bet any amount of money in the world that a lot of men are making all types of offers every day, every day. I mean, they get real thirsty on the ship. And you could be big, small, you could be short, tall, it don't matter. They will make all sorts of offers. And if your partner is not squared away with your partner or your connection is not good enough with your partner, they will fall because it's human nature, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Right? Then you got the inconsistent romance piece to it. The inconsistent romance piece. Imagine. You're on deployment for three, six, or nine months. Three, six, or nine months. And, like, uh, all right, I'll put myself, I'm going to put it on myself, right? Um, I'm not the most romantic guy in the world, right? I have to learn that, you know, reading books and stuff like that, right? you on deployment for three, six, or nine months, and you're not able to maintain that, that um, uh, romance part, right? You haven't mastered that part yet. And then, out of nowhere, um, you're back from that three, six, or nine-month deployment. You got to try all over again. It's really hard. It's really hard to to maintain that. And then, like I said, with cheaters, like I'm not, I'm not a judging, right? I mean, I've been on both sides of that coin before, right? Both sides of that coin. So I get it. I get it, right? But I will say that um, a solution to that, the solutions is going to be to stay or make that cut. You got to care about like, um, or you have to be aware that sailors deal with that obstacle, cheating and unfaithfulness and deceit and all that stuff. The Navy doesn't teach love. The Navy doesn't teach love. We teach how to fight. We teach how to stay fit, how to build resilience and how to sail. That's what we teach, right? We don't teach love. So with that being said, we need to talk to chaps. We need to talk to fleet family support centers. We need to go to military uh, one source and get those relationship classes, especially from fleet family support center. We need to get books and things like that, you know, like get these books and stuff like that. And that'll help you out too. I'm reading this nice book, 100 Ways to Love Your your Wife or Your Lady, and um, one page a day, right? Um, just started, by the way. But you need those things, you need those resources because the Navy doesn't teach that stuff. And if you don't, it's going to be really hard to get over that obstacle, right? And then a sailor is going to say, all right, well, I got all these problems now, all these issues now with my life. Now, it's the difference between gaining and retain. Gains and retains. Got to know this stuff. It's very important. Gains and retains. A huge surprising obstacle is peer pressure. And it's because of fair groupthink, weak-mindedness, immaturity, and then the need for acceptance. When it comes to fear, 
We got the fear of being outcast, fear of being hazed, fear of being looked at as lame, fear of being Joe Navy or Blue Falcon. So the fear of being outcast, think about it like this. A sailor, when they first join the Navy, they leave their friends, their family, they leave everybody. And they're going to join an organization that's supposed to have camaraderie, a spirit decor, all that good stuff. And they're like, all right, damn, I don't have no friends. I'm leaving everybody. And the last thing I want is to be that guy on the outside. I can't be an outcast, right? And so they more often than not fall into a lot of peer pressure from here and there, right? A lot of times they see um, people getting in the haze and the stuff like that. And I see that all the time, right? Yeah, we got rules and stuff like that, but you're not supposed to do that, but it happens, right? I, I mean, I stop sailors like here and there. Like, hey, what you doing? What you doing to this guy, right? And it, it happens sometimes. A sailor has that fear of being that guy to be picked on and all that stuff. And it's not right. I get it. That peer pressure sets in. They don't want to be looked at as lame. And nobody really does, right? We are humans at the end of the day. No matter if you're a sailor, don't matter what your rank is, you're a human at the end of the day. And you don't want to be looked at as lame. You want to be hip, right? And so it's easier to fall in that peer pressure because you don't want to be looked at as lame. So if you got a whole bunch of people and they all smoking joints, hey, man, like, why don't you take the joint too? Like, it's easier for that person to fall into it because they don't want to look like uh, they're not a part of the crew or that like they're cool because they, they you know, they got that fear, right? The fear of being Joe Navy or being a Blue Falcon, right? This guy, some guy, I don't know who he is, but his name is Joe Navy. This guy in the Navy, right? And he knows everything about the Navy. He He's super Navy, right? And he 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 does no wrong. He does no wrong. He knows no wrong, right? And then you have the Blue Falcon, the guy that gets everybody in trouble, the guy that sees everybody's faults, and he would tell on you in a heartbeat. He'll burn you in a heartbeat. A lot of sailors, they fear being those two guys. And so when there is some kind of situation where peer pressure is going on, to feed that agenda and stuff like that, to, to feel, fuel their agenda, they're going to they're gonna like uh, accuse a person or like uh, bring up like, oh, this person is Joe Navy or Blue Falcon and stuff like that. And people, they fear that. So they're not going to engage in things that make them look like that. Next up is groupthink. And that's uh, the cliques, the groups like the E4 Mafia, Filipino Mafia. That is the loudest guy in the room. That's the guy with the longest tenure, the groupthink. With groupthink, you got the cliques and you got the groups and stuff, right? And we got the cliques like the Wolfpack, you know, like with the Wolfpack and, and DX and stuff like that. All those cliques. And in the Navy, you got the E4 Mafia or the Filipino Mafia, like they say. Those are not real mafias, by the way. They don't really exist. But because of their cohesion and things like that, or the way they're so connected, right? Um, that group thinking, the way they might push their agendas on uh, people, it might be easier for a person to go into to peer pressure and things like that. The loudest guy in a room, the loudest guy in a room is the one, sometimes he, he could be saying all the wrong things. Loudest girl in a room could be saying all the wrong things, strong and they wrong. But being that they so loud, you got some guys that's, you know, that quiet or they just like, oh, damn, like, all right, he he's saying something. I mean, it, it's loud enough, so I, I'm going to just go with whatever, right? Or I'm not going to say anything. And think about group thing. If you don't say anything, if you don't say anything, then it's like you, you're agreeing. 
And if you are the loudest guy in the room, it's much easier for you to fall into that peer pressure. It's much easier to push your agenda on somebody, right? And so with that group bank, um, a lot of people fall into that peer pressure just because the guy, he's, he's, he's pushing that. He, he's saying a lot of things and people are just, all right, you're right, because they don't want to like end up in a shouting match or whatever the case may be. And then you got the sailors with the longest tenure. Those guys, like some of them are really brilliant. They've been at the ship or the command for forever, and they know a lot of stuff. And it's not always the case. Sometimes they don't know a damn thing, right? But because they've been there so long, if you're the new guy, right? Let's say, for instance, uh, Seaman Roy here, he just gets to the command and he sees some things that could be improved, some things that could be a little better. But he's like, damn, why are we doing it this way? And then he says, hey, man, like, all right, I see we're doing this and we're doing this. And I think that we could be doing some things better. And then you got like... um you know, semen, whoever, and they're like, uh, well, well uh, whatever, like, you don't know what you're talking about because I've been here longer, all right, so it don't work like that, shut up. If that person don't really have no courage and stuff like that, then they might just, okay, all right, whatever, I guess I'll just shut up, and they'll, let, they'll, they'll just let things go off like that, and that's not the right way to do it, right, and they'll just get sucked right up in the agenda, that's peer pressure, that's peer pressure. When it comes to weak-mindedness, you got the sellers with the low self-esteem, the ones that are scared to take risks, the ones that have no identity, they don't set boundaries. In that case, you have to be validated. You have to be validated on that case, right? So sellers with the low self-esteem, when they have low self-esteem, it's much easier for them to fall into peer pressure, right? I mean, if they have uh, that weak mental state and things like that, then it's much easier. If they don't feel like they're somebody, things like that, they don't feel like they can ever make a difference, it'll be much easier for them to get sucked into peer pressure. I see it all the time, all the time. Now, when it comes to a sailor being afraid to take risk, it's much easier for them to fall into peer pressure, right? If a sailor's like, all right, I mean, because check it out, sometimes you got one shot. You got one shot, and if you screw that one shot up, you're going to be looked at crazy. Some people, they can't take that. They, they can't take the fact that, all right, if I screw this up, I'm going to look crazy. And so I'm just not going to do anything, all right? These guys, the loudest guy in the room, he's pushing his agenda. All right, you know what? I have an idea. It might be a little bit risky. You know, it might be a little bit outside our box, but I'm not going to say anything because I just don't want to fail. And a lot of times people are doubting their ability and they really good with what they do, but they don't want to take that risk because they don't want to be looked crazy. Right? Sometimes people have no identity. And when we join the military, we're supposed to have some kind of identity, right? We are sailors and stuff like that. But sailors, a lot of people up and down the ranks, by the way, they join and they have no identity. Right? I remember uh, joining and, and not really like embracing like who I was as a person, who I was as a sailor. And it was much harder to do just about everything. As soon as I embraced who I was, it, it was like a breeze for me to, to do whatever I do in the Navy. Easy. It was so easy to do anything I do in the Navy. A lot of people fall under that peer pressure, that group thinking, things like that, because they, they just don't know who they are. That's why I said be validated, right? When you don't set boundaries, 
it's much easier to fall in the peer pressure. You got sailors, right? And they don't set any sort of like barrier, right? They People just push whatever agenda on them. But if a person says, hey, around me, if you're going to drink with me, we only having two, six drinks, so that's it, right? And we're not driving home. We're taking over, right? That's setting boundaries. But when you don't do that, now you get a case where it's like, all right, we're going to go hang out. We're going to go drink, and we're going to see or whoever is the least um, drunk is, that's the one that's going to drive us all home. Once the person set that boundary, it's like, hey, that's not happening. We're calling Uber, and we're going to go pick our cars up tomorrow. And if you don't like it, too bad, right? But instead, some people fall into that peer pressure. And that's a huge obstacle, right? But you got to know this. Got to know this. It's very important because it's about gains and retains, right? We want to retain sellers. So let's educate them on this type of stuff, man. Okay? So you got to be validated. You have to be validated. And that would keep you from being weak-minded. Immaturity. Most sellers that get in trouble are 18 to 14 years old. The limbic system in the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed yet. And then some sailors, they just want to have fun sometimes. So when it comes to the 18, the 24-year-old sailors that's usually getting in trouble, that's because of their limbic system and the prefrontal cortex is not yet fully developed yet. You know, and those are the systems in your brain that says, all right, you know what? Think about this before you do it, man, because sometime, yeah, because you might get in trouble a little bit later. So think about that. I read this book called Decoding Boys, and it talked about why young people get in trouble and things like that. And 18 to 24, it was around that time frame uh, when it comes to the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex. And with that right there, these sailors are like uh, more prone to get in trouble because, like I said, they just want to have fun. At all costs, at all costs. And so they are the ones that are more um, inclined to get into that peer pressure because they look, they're like, look, I'm not here for a long time. I'm just here for a good time, right? And so you get um, the 18 to 24-year-old sellers, the new sellers that come, especially with the bonuses and things like that. And they come in and they're like, look, I'm here to wreak havoc, have fun, and get out, right? Especially with the bonus that's coming in. But... They're not always told, like, hey, if you get in trouble, you don't finish the contract or whatever the case may be, you are not going to be able to stay in. And you got to pay that money back, right? And so they they don't know that, and they just do whatever, right? Um, whereas if you actually take the time out, you actually say, like, hey, what you doing for the weekend? Uh, what's your plans? Blah, blah, blah. If you engage with them, then they're more inclined to kind of make the right decisions, right? Something in their head might go off and say, hold up. You know, we, 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 me and Chief kind of talk about the weekend and whatnot, and I, and I know that y'all want me to do X, Y, and Z, but uh, nah, I'm good. You know, that peer pressure won't set in as easily, right? But um, when they are maturity or when they are immature, you have to understand that. Engage with your sailors and maybe, maybe they won't make a lot of those decisions. A lot of my sailors, they don't really necessarily get in trouble right now because I have those conversations. And I mean, maybe they're just not the type to get in trouble. I don't know. But I try to make sure that I'm talking with them. Anyway, the need for acceptance, the need to make friends, networks, the need to have a support system, and the need to have a team. For sailors... They need friends. They need friends. When you're coming to a new situation, new duty station, new military, whatever the case may be, you need friends. 
right? I have a video on YouTube on how to make friends, especially when you're at a new duty station and things like that. You guys should check it out sometime, right? Um, that video is really useful if you're trying to make new friends at whatever duty station you're going to. Anyway, the need for a support system, a sailor needs friends in their background, people in their background to, to be like, hey, man, get up, man. Keep on going. Keep on pushing, man. You got this. You got this. You got this, right? They need people in their corner to keep on making sure that like they're pushing, right? That's how a seller keeps on going. It's not essential for a seller to be ha- to have somebody like that in their corner, a support system. Sellers need networks. Networks are resources. Sellers understand that uh, people are the biggest resources. So if you have people in your corner, right? If you have networks in your corner, then you have resources. You can do anything. Right. That ensures sellers successful a lot of times. A lot of times your expertise is not the only thing that can make a job happen. You need somebody else. You need a network of people with their own skill sets and resources so that you can get your job done. It is what it is. And then I say a seller, they need a team. Sellers need a team because a lot of people, they have common goals and things like that, common skill sets or um, skill sets that are in, interdependent on one another. And they all need to work together to get that common goal. Sellers understand that. And so they have that huge obstacle of the need for acceptance, which make them fall into peer pressure sometimes. So if you understand that, then you'll be able to like lead a seller a little better. You'll be able to gain and retain a little better. An obstacle that drains sellers every day is the work-life balance. This is because of the schedule, equipment, and jobs. The schedule. Deployments are usually three, six, and nine months. FDNF is a lot longer. Now, preparation for deployments also is recertifications and repairs. That means constant work. So the schedules, the deployments that are usually three, six, and nine months, you got three months of the year or six months or nine months out of that year, right? And it's it's not just three, six, nine months that goes into that. There's a lot of work up that go behind those three and six, nine months, right? But then you still have to be a partner to your partner. You still have to be a parent to your kids. You still have to get all these things done. You still have to work out. You still have to maintain the cars, do all these things. That work-life balance becomes uh, a huge challenge. Next, you got forward deployed naval forces. If you're in Yokosuka, usually where it is, right? If you're in Yokosuka, you're gone all the time, almost all the time, a long time, right? But you get paid more money. I will say that they get paid a good amount of money, but they're gone almost all the time. And then you have the preparations for deployments, right, which includes repairs and then certifications and things like that. And that's constant work. Now, how much time is going to the ship and the work and all that good stuff, the preparation for deployment? How much time is usually going towards the family, you or yourself and then um, like everything else? I mean, a lot of times the Navy kind of wins that because of just the demand and stuff like that. And I hate to say that, but it's true. Then you got the equipment. The sailors are rough to the equipment. It's constantly used. It gets old. It's old. And then you have dirt bags that have fast the maintenance of the equipment. So with the equipment, sailors are rough to that equipment sometimes. 
don't get me don't get it twisted, right? It's industrial equipment. They can't pet the equipment, right? They can't be soft to the equipment. So they gotta, you know, they gotta hit that equipment handle hard and stuff like that so that they can uh, properly maintain it, so it can properly work. Because like I said, it's industrial equipment. The Navy pays billions and billions or millions and millions of dollars on this equipment. Either way, right? The Navy pays a lot for this equipment. So it's industrial, right? And then it's constantly used. Now, ships, they're 24 hours in operation. Navy equipment in general, whether it be buildings, ships, or whatever, it's usually on all the time. Just look it up. Look it up, right? So you got a ship that's running all the time. It's on a deployment schedule, and then it's on a repair schedule. Always on the time, constantly running. And then that equipment gets really old. Right, that equipment gets old because it's constantly in use. So it's a lot of wear and tear that goes in that equipment, right? And so, being that there's so much wear and tear in that equipment, I mean, it is what it is. It is. It gets really, really old. It ages really fast. And then the equipment is old already. We have a ship right now, the USS Constitution, old Ironside. The ship been around since the 1700s. It was one of the Navy's first frigates and all this good stuff, right? I mean, yeah, you're not going to take that ship and take it to the Middle East and start a war and all that stuff. But you got sailors that still maintain that. I bet you that. I bet you that, though. Check the Instagram out. You will see that um, that ship is in pristine order. And it has been around since like 1775. So, I mean, what's going on? And then you have dirt bags. You have dirt bags that half-ass the, the maintenance of the equipment all the time. And those sailors, oh, God. I mean, I love all sailors and stuff. I do. But those folks, man, it's hard to deal with them because they don't give a damn. They do not care. Right? And this is what happens when you uh, don't, don't um, maintain equipment properly or you have bad stuff like they do. Right? They have 40 hours of, of maintenance for the week. Right? Everybody got maintenance, especially on a ship. They have 40 hours of maintenance on a week. And... Half of that time, they spend in Iraq, BSing with the friends, playing the game or whatever. And then at the end of that week, they sign off. All the maintenance is done. And it's not usually done, right? It's usually wrong, right? And when some leadership, like the chief comes or officer or whatever the case may be, they come at the end of the week and see if the maintenance was closed out properly. Now they say, hold up, well, this is not done. Or sometimes you spot check it a little bit later and you find out, wait a second, this is not done. And now it creates a lot of work for a lot of other people, right? Maybe even that guy that half-assed it. Maybe he, he lied good enough and he can get out of it. Or maybe it creates a lot of work and puts a lot of things on somebody else's plate. And now that person that was like, all right, I was going to go to the gym or I was going to go get my car detailed. Or I was going to take my family out to dinner. Now they can't do that because they have more work to take up for that maintenance or whatever that did not get done. So that work-life balance is a huge obstacle a lot of sailors face. Next up is the jobs. Sailors want to win Sailor of the Year, Sailor of the Quarter awards. They want to make rank. They want to volunteer. They want to do collateral duties. And they have responsibilities. A sailor that wants to win sale of the quarter, sale of the year, or win jobs, and that's the equivalent to employee of the quarter or employee of the year. Those sailors that want to win that, right, they got to put a lot of work in, right? They got to run faster than everybody else in some cases, right? And it, it becomes really difficult for a sailor. They got to do their job harder than everybody else has to do their jobs in their same rate, right? 
Um, if they want to make rank, they have to stand out, right? Because they want to make more money for their family or for themselves or whatever. And so they got to work harder. They got to push harder than everybody else. Sometimes some sailors, they care about more than just themselves. So they want to be public servants, right? They want to do for other people. And so they want to volunteer, right? Those are the sailors when people say, thank you for their service. Thank you for your service. They talking about those guys, the ones that want to volunteer and do something for somebody else. Right? And then you have the sailors that want to do collateral duties. There's sailors that actually want to expand their knowledge. They want to help other people. They want to be more flexible right? because they understand that those are transferable skills. They want to put it on their resume. And then they also want to help. Right? A lot of people don't want to help, but they do. Right? And then they got responsibilities. And the responsibilities for sailors are like, it's, it's crazy. It gets ridiculous, right? And the amount of stuff on a sailor's plate on a daily, it's always growing and growing and growing and growing, right? And check it out. This is how a sailor's plate, a daily plate, just one week of work. This is how it is, right? So, all right, so check this out. All right, so this is a sailor's plate, right? This is his plate. This is his responsibilities, right? So now... Uh, for the week, the seller, they they get like uh, some maintenance, right? Okay, so they got maintenance that they got to do, right? You got 40 hours of maintenance you got to do. Okay, cool, right? So now you got to make sure to get your uniform ready for this inspection that's coming up. All right, so you got uniform ready. Okay, cool. So now you have to make sure that you um, do your regular job, which... You might have some equipment that you got to fix. You might have to troubleshoot something. All right, now there is a visit or something, and you have to get your spaces ready. You have to get your spaces ready, clear safety hazards, and all this good stuff. Okay. All right, so that's more now, all right? So check it out, all right? That's their plate now. Okay, so now they have to help train some guy. Right. They have to train some guy and now they have to pick up the slack for another sailor because that sailor screwed up. And now and, and by the way, they can't drop any of the stuff because if they drop this stuff, then that's um, that's irresponsible. OK, so they 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 can't drop any of that stuff. And also now you got to sponsor somebody. Right. You're a sponsor to somebody, a new guy that just came. So you got to walk them all around. Cool. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. If you drop it, you're screwed, right? Your work-life balance, you're going to have to stay after work, clean it up, okay? So now, on top of all that, you got to do it fast. Oh, and now you're dropping stuff. And guess what? It has to be all done by the week close, right? If it's not done by the end of the week, then you're going to have more stuff on your plate. Oh, yeah, and by the way, you got to study. And this is a sailor's plate on a daily. This is their plate on a daily. And they have to make sure to finish all of this stuff on a daily. That's their responsibility. Now, annoying obstacles sailors may face is the outdated regs. Examples, the policy on beards, piercings, clothes, and then a drinking age. For the beards, you can't just see somebody's no-safe chit anymore. The Air Force already debunked the whole seal myth. And then who got time? Who got time? Right. So what I would do, I would just allow that. I would just adjust our um, policies a little bit and 
And that would lead to gains and retains, right? People hearing that you could have a bear coming in the military now, it sign me up tomorrow. You know, somebody that's want to get out because a lot of the Navy have some outdated rules and stuff like that. That would they'd be like, you know what? I think I could stick around a little bit longer, man. I ain't I don't got nobody on my helmet because I didn't shave this morning. I think that would be good for gains and retains. Okay, so you can't see somebody's no shave chick because that's HIPAA stuff, right? That's like somebody saying like, um, I got COVID or I got AIDS or something like that. And you're like, oh, well, let me see your chick just to make sure you really got AIDS, right? So you, you can't see it. If the doctor prescribed this person as that, they got to go off that. So now it's the honor system. You got to play the I believe game. Unless you just got a whole bunch of time on your hands to make sure that that sailor stops whatever they're doing, go to a doctor, get a doctor's note, and say, hey, see, this doctor said that I need one of these or something like that. So is the juice really worth the squeeze? And then the Air Force, a couple months back, they had um, some Air Force scientists actually do like um, an experiment with more than like 300 people. Now, out of those 300 plus people, only about three of them didn't actually pass the whole seal test. And that's because they didn't follow the directions properly. And so we might as well just do away with that. Just allow the bears. Because it's about gains and retains. Gains and retains. Pearsons. Now, you cannot have a nose ring. You can't have your ears gauged. And you cannot um, have any other Pearsons visible. The solution would be to just allow it. Just allow it. Here's why. I remember I saw, like uh, back when I was in Virginia, I saw this um, this female. She was working in a legal office, and she she was um, she had like a nose ring. And at that time, everybody was wearing masks and stuff like that. And usually, everybody masks up here, right? Everybody masks up there. But she was at the customer service desk to the legal office, and she has her mask down here, just like everybody used to do because they wanted to uh, breathe, right? And so her mask is down there in a nose ring, boom, and it's bright, shiny, and all that stuff. And, like, um, it was a lot of people in line. It's a chief, a commander in line. Chief, he's like, oh, my God, I, I, I can't. You know, chief was going all crazy, and commander, oh, my God, I can't. What is going on here, right? And But nobody said anything, right? You know, the chief, it, it was in it. It was like a dependent or something like that. Chief get up to her, he go to his appointment. Commander go to her, he, he go to his appointment. She escorted him into his appointment or whatever. And then the civilian came. And I was like, look, man, I'm going to have to say something. It's crazy. Right before that, um, we had a master chief. She came and she told the LPO, like, look, you, you need to have her square herself away. Something like that. I don't know. She, I can't. I'm me. Something like that. Anyway, and she, she pulled her off the line and she got herself right, right? So, and then... I'm thinking, I just saw a sailor, and like um, now that I'm thinking about it, I was in a rush one day. I'm walking, and she was in a car. She's like, hey, Chief, how you doing? I could have sworn she had like NWs on, maybe a ring in her nose. I mean, I think so. I'm not sure. I was in a real big rush, though. And then um, I just recently saw like um, you know, a Chief you know, online, and she had the nose ring, and I had like a department head and whatnot. She had nose ring and stuff like that. So it was, I mean, it was hidden, but it was still there. But my point is, like, might as well just let that happen. Like, um, but when you're off duty, let that happen when you're off duty, right? Um, the gauging and stuff like that, I don't really agree with that. People say that um, you can't do the gauging because it leaves a hole in your ear that's like too big. And if you can see the sun outside of a, a person's eye or if you, if what is it? If you can see the sun 
when you're behind a person, if you can see the sun like gleaming through the person there, that means it's too big or something like that. I don't know. It's weird. But I mean, I, I got mixed feelings about it. But then there's no um, other visible piercings that you can have, right? So you can't have nose piercing showing, belly piercing, all that other stuff. I think that um, that's that's just people's way to express themselves and stuff like that. I think that we should allow it. It would lead to more gains and retains. But I would allow it in an off-duty setting, very off-duty setting, strictly off-duty setting, right? Because it's, it's people's way of expressing themselves. It's, it's, that we're already giving up so much um, from being in the military and stuff like that. It make them feel like, all right, at least I still got this piece of me. That's just my opinion, though. When it comes to clothes, you can't wear tank tops in the gym. You can't wear ripped jeans. You can't wear uh, pants too tight. You can't wear uh, T-shirts and things like that because sleepwear. I would just allow it. Again, like I said, that's about expression and stuff. Is expressing yourself through the clothes and stuff that you wear. I remember me and my friend, we went um, to the gym. And we went from the gym to like the commissary or something. And this guy, he followed us like from the gym to the commissary. It was like two miles or something. And he, I mean, he was like, hey, sir, you're not, you can't wear your your, your stuff in the gym. I'm not telling you a lie, sir. And I, and I was just like, I mean, I was thinking like, damn, I was real thirsty. I mean, Jesus. Right. But yeah, I mean, that that's something minor to me. Right. And then you can't wear ripped jeans. I think that with the whole ripped jeans thing, I didn't even realize you couldn't even wear those. But as long as it's not revealing and stuff like that, I mean, you shouldn't be wearing stuff where you're showing off like body parts and like underwear and all that stuff anyway. But like that's like automatic AC jeans and something like that. You should. I mean, I don't see nothing wrong with that, you know, but like I said, it's about gains and retain. What if somebody like, damn, man, I can't wear my my Levi's rip version because like because they got rips. Like, I don't want to join, right? And so, a person with pants too tight, I think that's geared towards like uh, females. It got to be geared towards females. I'm thinking it's geared towards females. Although some guys wear tight pants, sometimes maybe my pants can be a little too tight, depending on who's looking, who's acting, right? But um, I think that's more geared towards females. And I think that I don't see nothing wrong with that. I mean, like, what's too tight? But then, like, I see, I have seen, like, um, you know, people, they're wearing, like, yoga pants. Do that count? I mean, because you can't have baggy yoga pants. But then, uh, like, sometimes I wonder how do these conversations even come about? I think maybe it's somebody looking at shouldn't be looking or something like that. Maybe their spouse caught them or something and they made a big deal out of it. I don't know. But I think... Um, that that's it's it's like a little faddish thing, and it's about expression, expression through clothing and stuff like that. Same thing with white t-shirts. I remember this movie Sin City. A guy had like one of the coolest uniforms on. He had the white t-shirt, leather jacket, and the Converse's. And I thought that was like one of the coolest outfits and stuff. And I mean, who would say, hey, you can't wear that because sleepwear? I think that like that's that old school mentality and things like that. That's a little bit of expression. I mean, people wear like T-shirts, white T-shirts and stuff as a fashion statement. It's not about like sleepwear. Sleepwear is pajamas, boxers and stuff like that. That's sleepwear. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got to admit, I don't sleep in, in white T-shirts. Usually I sleep in a white beater or with no shirt on. So, or with my Fenty Savage rule. So, I don't know. So, you know. But anyway, then it comes to the drinking age. In U.S., the drinking age is 21. Deployed, we drop it to the country's age. Plus, it keeps a lot of young sailors in trouble. 
What I would do is lower the military drinking age to 18, but with limits. And so the drinking age uh, in U.S. is 21, right? It's 21. A sailor can do all this stuff in the Navy, but they can't drink. And by the way, they can't smoke because the, the smoking age is also 21. But some military members, they die before they reach 21 sometimes in some cases. And so I think that if you're in the military, you should be able to at least have that drink. Uh, that's just me. You should be able to have that smoke and whatnot. I mean, we doing something real rough and real tough right now. We should be able to get some kind of exception. I think that would lead the gains and retains. Again, gains and retains. When we go to other countries, we drop that drinking age sometimes to that country's age. I mean, so we're already doing that, right? And yes, some of those underage drinkers, they are authorized to drink that stuff. They're authorized to partake during that time when we're on these deployments. So you might as well make it official and let it be a thing. That's what I think. I'm just saying, I think it would lead to retention. And then it would keep a lot of sailors out of trouble. A lot of sailors right now where I'm at, they get in trouble for underage drinking all the time, all the time, all the time. And so if you take that away, if you say, all right, now you can do it, right? And then, and by the way, they get in trouble. And then subsequently, they get in so much trouble that they're getting kicked out now. Or they're, they're faking mental health, things like that, uh, just to stay in, right? If you take that requirement away, leads to gains and retains. And now when it comes to the most annoying obstacles for sailors, it's the cheese mess. And that's because of the double standards, the lack of care, the lack of engagement and competence, and then the laziness. By the way, this is not every chief in the chief's mess, but you know how it is. One rotten apple. And so the double standards. You got one sailor that get in trouble for something the chief won't, and then you got um, those that order people to do stuff that they won't do. Sometimes that can be a little annoying. I'll be honest, right? So you got a sailor that get in trouble for, you know, whatever, and then... A person, just because they have a different uniform or different color device or whatever the case may be, they get in trouble for that same thing. That's, that's kind of not fair, right? I understand that. That's like a, a simio case waiting to happen, equal opportunity thing waiting to happen, in my opinion, right? And it all depends. Now these sailors are so outspoken. Think about um, Navy Red and stuff like that. Every other day, they're like, the chief's mess, and they're going crazy, right? I mean, they're getting more more, more bold. And that's a similar thing waiting to happen, in my opinion. Now, ordering people to do stuff that they won't do, that's not cool. For instance, like hands in the pocket and stuff like that. I see so many times people like have their hands in their pocket and they're like, hey, shit, me. Hands, well, where's your hands supposed to be? But then you can catch them coking and joking and hands in the pocket. So let's see that. They're like, all right, that's some ball, right? I get it. I get it. All right. I remember uh, we had one guy. He would tell sellers they can't wear this, they can't wear that. You can't wear this with that uniform item, blah, 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 blah. But then he would go decked out and stuff that you definitely can't wear. He'd come out with the Call of Duty fit, all that stuff. And people were like, well, I mean, I ain't see that in the Navy regs anywhere. But, you know, they get annoyed with that double standards. I get annoyed with that double standard. The lack of care, not giving time for sales, not fighting for sales, not improving sales, personal professional development, not listening to sales, and not rewarding sales. They hate that, right? Not giving time. Not giving time to sales. If you, um, when sales take their time out and try to engage with chiefs and they they trying to soak up knowledge and stuff from them and they're giving them that time and they're not reciprocating that. 
that that's coming off like, damn, I'm not really important. Like you don't really give a damn about me. So that kind of sucks, man. So I understand. I, I, I totally understand. I totally get that. Right? When it comes to not fighting for sailors, right? So this guy, he has like most of the power, right? This guy right here. This guy, he kinda, you know, is behind him. He's hoping that he he's looking out for him, right? Sometimes he have ideas and stuff, and he's supposed to say, All right, like um, like we can endorse so we can go this way or whatever, right? Sometimes this guy he's disadvantaged and he's supposed to protect him. Right? When that doesn't happen, that's very annoying for sailors, right? That's why um you gotta fight for your sailors, right? Not improving a sailor's personal and professional development. In the Navy Sorn, right? Um, it says that the job of LCPO and LPO is to ensure the personal and professional development of all their sailors, right? And this is just my emphasis, right, based on all the, the stuff that I read and whatnot um, with that, right? But that's my emphasis from what that's basically our job, right? So when they're not doing that, sailors, they know we got duties and responsibilities. They don't know what the hell it is, but they know that we have it. And so when we're not doing that, that really pissed them off. It pissed anybody off, honestly. And so... Uh, when we're not doing that, man, it's, it's it's tough. And it presents an obstacle for them because we are the sole guy that can take care of that stuff. And when we're not taking care of that stuff, a sailor's not taken care of, then they feel like, all right, well, this guy's useless, right? So um, now not listening to your sailors. When sailors are talking and you're not listening, Jesus, man, sailors can reveal so much stuff by them just telling you things, sharing stuff with you. I remember on the ship, one of my favorite things was cleaning stations because I would go all along the deck plates and I would talk with these sailors. And then I would remember everything that we were talking about. So that way, the next time I see them, I follow up with, with some of the things we talked about. I will say you get a lot of wins that way. You get a lot of wins that way. Uh, people, uh, they give you a lot of love and respect that way. Um, not to say that I need a pat on the back all the time, but I will say if you listen to sailors, you can win sailors. Now, not rewarding sailors, a part of the brilliant on the basics, when you're breaking down the acronym of a sailor, the last one is R, which is recognition. If you don't recognize a sailor, that sailor is not going to be a well-rounded sailor. You have to recognize a sailor, even if you can't always write an award for a sailor or anything like that. Sometimes you can uh, just tell a sailor, thank you, attaboy, pat him on the back, or whatever the case may be. It goes a long way, I think. Uh, one thing I would do, is and I still do like um, a lot of times when my sailors do a, a good job or hard work. Sometimes I would just tell them how much they inspire me, and sometimes like um, I would just say it because they need to hear it, right? They need to hear that good job thing because as a leader, you don't always wanna like put your boots on and come to work. It is what it is. Lack of engagement, not asking sailors where they're from, why they joined, what's their goals, what they like, teaching them and training them. That lack of engagement. When you don't ask sailors where they're from, if you're a leader and you don't know where your sailors are from, that's that's a travesty in itself. You always should know that. And the sailor is going to love to tell you that stuff anyway. When it comes to like uh, questions you should always ask, you should always ask why sailor join. Because sometimes it might pull them back into why they join, especially if they're straying away from that purpose that they have. Right. So that's really important when it comes to what your goals are. That's a part of um, leading CDBs, right? It's a it's a part of the L part for sailors, right? Leading CDBs, sailors need to know, like they need to put their goals on paper and stuff like that. That way, they ensure their success. Asking them what they're like. The more you learn 
um, a seller, the more you engage with them and ask them what they like and things like that. Um, the more you can find out what motivates them and help better lead them and stuff. But if you don't do that stuff, then it becomes a huge obstacle for them, believe it or not. And then training and teaching settlers. Chiefs, we know everything. It is what it is. I mean, it's a reason why we chiefs, right? Whether you like uh, you lost your way or whatever, or you've been chief long enough or like whatever you're about to retire, we are the, the chief for a reason. And so when we don't use our gifts of teaching and training, a lot of sellers, they see that, they get impatient, and they hate it, and they're like, man, you know what? The chief's mess. I see it all the time. Check Navy Red. Incompetence. Doing things wrong, not admitting mistakes, not understanding the job, not recognizing SMEs, and then the failure to learn. When we do things wrong, a lot of sellers, they, they always get annoyed from that. And, and more so when, when, they, when uh, nobody's listening to them, when they're like, oh, wait, 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 oh, it's not supposed to go like that. Not admitting the mistakes, that's a big one. I think um, anybody can get annoyed with that one. When you don't admit mistakes and you your mistakes and you strong and you're wrong and stuff like that. A lot of sailors, like they, they, I see it sometimes. They're gritting their teeth and they're, you know, clutching their fists because they don't want to go crazy. I've seen that so many times. Not understanding the job. I had a chief, um, he retired now, and he didn't know his job at all. At all. He was super terrible at his job. And his chief friends, they would drop off the work and they would say, Hey, man, I dropped off this work for your chief, man. Just, you know, just kind of, you know, make sure that he he taken care of, make sure he got everything. That's because they didn't know. I mean, that's because they knew that he didn't understand his stuff. They knew it, right? And I was a YM1 at that time, they would all, and he was a YNC. They would always say, hey, YM1, you know, I dropped that stuff off. Just make sure that, you know, and he would hold on to the work until, he, until it became a fire, and then we would put out the fires. I couldn't stand that, man. You know, that's not cool. Not understanding SMEs. When a sailor knows more than like that chief or that leader or whatever, or a sailor does their thing and uh, people don't acknowledge it, they'll just watch it burn. They're like, oh, all right, all right, all right. And that's not good because, for one, you're not recognizing them as an SME. You're making your job harder. And then if you give, like, a, uh, if you make a sailor be that resentful towards you, that gives them opportunity to kind of throw you under the bus or something, you know. And that's what I think. I will not necessarily throw you under the bus, but really to tell the truth. Hey, I told Chief this. And he just said, well, forget you. You know, so um, that's that's really important. And I will say, when you don't recognize SMEs, man, like you put yourself in a lot of trouble. So the chief is supposed to be just the talent manager. The SMEs, we they got all the talent. They got all the talent, right? We just the talent manager. They got all the talent. So the wisest man, they know that they're not always the wisest man in the room. All right, and then you got the failure to learn. When when uh, you got an old dog that can't learn new tricks, man, that is like the worst, the absolute worst. All right, and it's a slap in the face for like the organization, honestly. All right, if you like, oh, I'm about to retire, so I mean, like my cup is already full. Don't don't teach me nothing else. I don't care. All right, a lot of sellers don't respect that, man, and it's a really hard thing for them to overcome. It's a hard thing for them to accept. Laziness, sitting in a cheese mess all day. No watch standing, not helping struggling sailors who's working, being out of shape, and then no initiative. I will say with laziness, uh, sitting in a mess all day, one rotten apple. Just one rotten apple, like I say. Hey, 
Not every chief does that, right? A lot of chiefs actually turn into, but that one rotten apple, it makes it to where the reality for them, everybody else is, all of the chiefs are in the chief's mess, just coking and joking, not doing anything the whole damn day. And that's, and that's simply not true, but that one rotten apple, like I said. And then, like, um, not helping struggling sailors, working and stuff like that. I will say, I do see that, right? And you'll see the chief, he's just looking, you know, and the sailor's working, he just, hmm, look at him, holding that thing wrong. I mean, it's... Is I mean, it's degrading and stuff like that. It's annoying for sailors, and they're not really feeling it, right? And then um, it's, it's super annoying. I, uh, it's like one of the most annoying things. I even think it's annoying. It's like, dude, go, go teach or something. Go engage. Go coach. Then no watch standing. Um, that is something I see a lot. Um, I see some guys are like, well, I made it. I'm not watch. I'm not taking this watch. Or I'm not doing this. And sometimes that's a little disrespectful to everybody else, I think, in my opinion. Right. And so with the no watch standing thing, uh, I think back to one of my guys, Michael Brooks, senior chief. Right. He was a senior chief at the time. Right. And he went and he he took the, the M4 pistol, all that good stuff. He got strapped up. He went out and stood watch at the ECP. A lot of sailors was like, huh? Like, what is he doing? Right? They didn't understand it, but he said, I'll never forget where I came from. And um and, and it's and he was like uh he, he was like one of the section leaders. He didn't have to. A lot of uh chiefs and stuff like that, or a lot of other people was kind of baffled. But I always had a great deal of respect for that. And a lot of sailors in that duty section in his department, his division, they had a lot of respect for that too, because it was something that you never seen before. Like he realized that, like we the, the the sailors, they were getting hammered while watching all this stuff, and he realized that they just needed a break, right? He realized that it would boost some morale. He realized that it would add flexibility to the watch bill, and he did it. A lot of sailors don't like when when they're drowning, and you see some chief that can help, and they don't help. That sucks, man. Right? And then um, <clears throat> the being out of shape thing. A lot of sailors. When they see that stuff, like that irritates them because you can see a guy like a hundred pounds over his weight limit, and then he passed the BCA. They're like, all right, and and these guys are not stupid. They're like, all right, that's some BS going on, but okay. But let it be me, and I bet you is is like not going to be any question what's going to happen, and that sucks for a lot of them, and it's hard for them to overcome that. It's hard for them to um, to let that go. Then they start. You know, making posts like F Chiefs and all this stuff, you know, and it becomes a, a big uh, obstacle for them to overcome. And it really ruins them as a sailor, right? And then some of these guys, um, you'll see it and all the sailors see it, that have these big uniforms on, you know, like the, the buttons on the uniform at condition one about to pop and take somebody out and stuff like that. And then you'll see sailors working hard, like, um, to try to maintain something. And they're like, damn, this is BS, man. This is crazy. It ain't even supposed to be like that. In fact, when I first joined, I thought, like, um, in the Navy, everybody was, like, super muscle-bound and all this crazy stuff. I mean, you could have seen me. I'm sitting there working hard, you know, trying to bench press, getting, um, like, the whole bars, like, uh, Stuck to my chest and whatnot, failing and whatnot, almost killing myself. And I thought like you had to like really be in some kind of crazy shape. Then I got in and I was like, huh, okay, cool. And so a lot of sellers hate that. And then no initiative. I remember um, it was a case where 
Like uh, this one guy, he he's seen like a lot of issues going on, and he's wondering the whole time like who's gonna solve it. And I was like, dude, like we're leaders. That's that's our job, dude. Let let's let's go together and 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 show them how it's supposed to be. If I didn't say that though, I don't think that he would have like did anything. I was just like, hmm, this is crazy, man. Yeah, it's cheese, man. We got to take that initiative, right? Sometimes. It's things going out of proportion, and a lot of the sellers are looking for somebody with some power and some rank to handle it. And they see you, they're like, "You got anchor, hey? This is just the person I was looking for." I mean, damn, we, hey, can you please defuse the situation? And if I'm looking and like, well, well, who's gonna handle this? I mean, come on, man. Like, what kind of respect do you think that built? That's super annoying for sellers, and then that affects the gains and the retains. Right, the gains and the retain really important. Now, those are my thoughts regarding the biggest obstacles sellers face. It's keeping up with the family, it's building the love life, it's the peer pressure, it's the work life balance, it's the outdated regs, and it's the chief's mess. I hope that this answers some questions, or I hope that this uh, leads people to understand a little bit more what sellers deal with on a day in a day basis. I hope that. Uh, you can understand how some of these things might be connected to our mental health and things of that nature. And uh, um, I hope that some of these things are things that will be addressed in the future that can uh, possibly like help sellers out or help the Navy out and uh, lead to gains and retains because that's what it's all about, baby. And so thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate you. If you guys have not already liked, followed, subscribed, on YouTube, or follow my podcast on all the podcast directories, please do that before you go, man. This is the Deck Plate Tone Podcast. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for that. No further entries this page. Tony Tone, out. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I hope that something I said was valuable. And if it was, I hope that you share this with somebody else. And stay tuned for the next episode because next episode, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something really interesting. So thank you guys.